The depleted New Orleans Saints drop a tough one on Monday Night Football against the Miami Dolphins. We'll contextualize the loss in books evaluation and in on a high note with a look at Pete Werner, who looks to have a very bright future in the city of New Orleans. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into this Misery Tuesday episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, we're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. And I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter. Can now see Chronicles Locked on NFL and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on Saints. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by uh, a very, very depleted offense, a very, very depleted defense, and a struggle bus of a Monday night football game in which, let's be honest, neither team was very good. You hear me chuckling, you see me chuckling. I'm always a positive person, and I'm here to be sort of the, I don't want to say voice of reason today, but I I do want to contextualize the performance or whatever it was that we watched on Monday Night Football. And I mean that performance lightly in terms of like both teams and and things like that. But I just kind of want to reset for a moment and remind people about what the New Orleans Saints were walking into in that Monday Night Football game. Because yes, the Saints were depleted, but they're very much still alive. And the circumstances of this game lend the sort of leave the door open for hope and optimism with two games left in the regular season. Let's talk about why, because I know that it's easy to get to the place of like, well, the Saints lost, their season's over, all of that. Ian Book was the quarterback, but let's not forget that some of the things that were going on with the New Orleans Saints last night are temporary. They're not long-term, but let's blend the temporary and long-term for just a moment so that we can fully contextualize what the New Orleans Saints were without Monday night up against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, on the offensive side, they were without quarterbacks one through three, which just feels absurd to say. Wide receivers one and two, that's Michael Thomas. And then I would consider Deontay Harris, considering he was your leading receiver up until, you know, a big Marquez Callaway game uh, just a couple weeks ago or last week. Um, so wide receivers one and two, left tackle one and Teron Armstead, right tackles one through three, if you consider the fact that they were without James Hurst, who moved over to one side, over on the left side, who usually backs up Ryan Ramchick, who was out, and then Jordan Mills was out, and James Carpenter was out, so a lot there. You could almost say one through four on the right tackle side. Uh, Left guard one, as well as tight ends one and three, one and two, depending upon how you look at Juwan Johnson around Nick Vanette. You could also say two and three, but they were also without two tight ends. On the defensive side, they were without defensive ends, three through six, defensive tackles, three and four, strong safety one, and Malcolm Jenkins, linebackers one and two without Demario Davis, as well as Quan Alexander, and then down some depth in the secondary as well. And then they were without a bunch of key special teamers. Kicker number one has never seen the field this season in terms of Will Lutz and four coaches. So just that, um, <laughs> the New Orleans Saints had to go through a lot just to get on the field. I mean, they were literally signing players that day that got fitted for their equipment by the equipment staff. We did a phenomenal job before the game. Uh, head coach Sean Payton shouting them out after the game. 
uh, fitting them for their equipment before they went out on the field. I mean, it was that kind of day for the New Orleans Saints. Here are some names of players that took snaps for the Saints in this game. Linebacker Sharif Finch, who almost had a fumble recovery. Um, defensive tackle Braxton Hoyt, his second career game over the course of two years. Uh, defensive, excuse me, offensive lineman Caleb Beninock, his first uh, game and regular season snaps since 2019. And offensive lineman Kyle Murphy, who was literally signed on Monday and saw his first snaps at right tackle in since 2017 in a regular season game. So just a little context around what the New Orleans Saints were going through. And also an understanding that not all of that is permanent. Yes, you're without QB1, wide receiver one, kicker one for the rest of the season. Those guys aren't going to be able to come back. But some of these folks that I mentioned, um, you know, quarterbacks two and three in terms of Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon, uh, wide receiver two, who has been your wide receiver one so far this season, and Deontay Harris. He's back next week off of suspension. Um, left tackle one, hopefully Tron Armstead's able to get back. He was questionable coming into this and would love to see Ryan Ramchick back. Some of these other players are all on COVID lists, right? Uh, your tight ends, one and three, your defensive ends, your defensive tackles, your starting strong safety, your starting linebackers. The Saints should get all, all of, let's say most of these players back going into next week's game up against the Carolina Panthers. So what does that mean for the New Orleans Saints? Now that they've lost this game against an AFC opponent, we talked about this a bit before that, hey, if they go into this game and they lose, the season's not really over. And yes, that's true. That wasn't just me trying to make you feel good before you went into this game. That is still true. The New Orleans Saints have the capability of winning out. Their next two opponents are Carolina, who right now the Saints are up six and a half points on in terms of the uh, in terms of being favored in this game at home. And then they travel to Atlanta, both two very winnable games, both two division games. So you never know how they're really going to go. But two winnable games for the New Orleans Saints. You can't really take the first game against Carolina as any type of sort of, I, I guess, example of what next week's game is going to look like because the Saints were down some double-digit coaches all throughout the practice week heading into that game and were without about half of their coaching staff on the sideline during that game when Carolina absolutely shellacked the New Orleans Saints. But that wasn't that; those were circumstances that the Saints won't be up against when it comes to this game against Carolina at home on Sunday, which has now been moved to a 325 central time slot, just as a reminder there. So what the New Orleans Saints need is to win out, which has always sort of been the attitude anyway. Um, they need one loss by San Francisco who have Houston next week, so unlikely there, but they have the Rams in week 18. So the game against the Rams needs to mean something, and it very well could, because if Arizona wins one of its last two games, then Los Angeles ends up playing for the top spot in the NFC West and therefore one of the top four playoff seeds as opposed to being a wild card team. So they have something to play for there because that gives them, you know, home field advantage in the wild card round, super wild card round, all of that. So the higher seed that they can get, the better off that they would be. So they could still be playing to win something against San Francisco. And San Francisco, of course, right now is without Jimmy Garoppolo. We don't know for how long, but rookie Trey Lance could be stepping into a starting role at a time to where the New Orleans Saints need losses from San Francisco. So once again, the New Orleans Saints playoff seating comes down to something going on in the NFC West. Not new information there, but at least this time you're not relying on the Seahawks, which has happened and uh, failed over the course of the last few seasons. So New Orleans still very much in control of its own destiny, but needs a little bit of help from San Francisco in terms of losing a game. Let's say that they the Saints need some help from either Houston 
or the Los Angeles Rams. That's who you're going to be rooting for over the course of the last two games of the season. There are still some other playoff scenarios that could happen. Philly could lose out. That opens the door for New Orleans as well. But the easiest, cleanest, quickest path for the New Orleans Saints went out and then get a loss from San Francisco. We talked last week about all the things that the New Orleans Saints have had to overcome to get to this point in their season. And the fact that we're still talking about a team that could potentially have a winning record by the end means that guys like Sean Payton and Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael and all the New Orleans Saints coaching staff deserves a big shout out. But their biggest challenge this week may not have actually just been about the players that they were without, but even the players that they were with. So let's talk about who they put on the field this week. And let's talk about Ian Book, right? We can't really evaluate too much from him, but there are some things to take away. So let's talk about why we shouldn't overreact to Ian Book's first start, even though it wasn't the greatest. We'll talk about that as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks again for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day. By the way, go and check out the Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview 2021. It's its own feed. Just search it wherever you get your podcast. We've got local experts, we've got betting advice, and we've got draft analysis for all of the big New Year's Six and Playoff Championship games here over in the College Football Playoffs. So go and check it out. Once again, it's the Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview 2021. So, uh, the New Orleans Saints ended up having to start Ian Book, something that I'm sure that they didn't intend to do this season. And it's not because there's anything wrong with Ian Book, but simply that the New Orleans Saints like to have their guys sit behind, you know, for a year and, and, and you know, get the get a look at those rookies in a more controlled environment than go out there and play with only 48 players available on the roster and, and hope that it goes well. And unfortunately, that's what happened to young Ian Book, the rookie out of Notre Dame, fourth round draft pick for the New Orleans Saints in this past draft. So here's the bottom line. Uh, Ian Book's struggles in this game should not be held against him. However, there are some things to take away. So let's talk about, first of all, what the performance was. Uh, 12 of 20, 135 yards, no touchdowns. He did throw an interception, which was a pick six in his uh, very first third down throw of his career. Uh, He was also sacked eight times in this game, three tackles for, excuse me, three rushes for six yards. Now, We have to contextualize here, just like we did in the first conversation that we just had around what happened with the New Orleans Saints and who was playing, who was available and all that. Ian Book played behind an offensive line that featured a combination of Caleb Beninock and then eventually Kyle Murphy uh, when Beninock ended up with an injury and had to leave at right tackle. And a lot of pressure came from that right side. There was some clear miscommunication stuff going on with Cesar Ruiz, which just continues to seem to be a theme so far this season over on that side. And you can't cover it all up when you have a guy that's taking his first snaps in the NFL since 2017 over on that right side next to the young cat in uh, Cesar Ruiz that continues to seem to have these miscommunication issues. So it's a reminder here that Kyle Murphy was signed on Monday, played on Monday. He was probably one of those guys that was getting fitted right before the game. And it's also worth highlighting that Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill have also played behind hampered offensive lines. But this is a little bit different because you're talking about like the sixth or seventh offensive line option that wasn't even on the roster before the game. And you're talking about a young guy in Ian Book getting his first ever NFL action in that situation against a very aggressive Miami Dolphins defense that continued to bring the blitz and continued to bring the pressure. So there were a couple of things that you can observe in Ian Book individually, though. I mean, there was a moment where he was given a half field read over on the left side, which was a choice route 
with an out route over the top. That out route was open and it was Marquez Callaway over the top, but Ian Book decided to go for the closer throw, the more shallow area there in the short side where uh, Alvin Kamara chose the out route himself underneath. He threw it to Alvin Kamara, even though he was double covered, but Marquez Callaway was open right over the top. And you can see both of the guys, right? Because they're one behind the other. And so the first down was there for Marquez Callaway, but Ian Book simply made the wrong read. Uh, he also telegraphed the throw on the on the interception, uh, but even even the interception was tipped at the line of scrimmage. So how much can you really take away from that? We saw some things to where you know there were opportunities for him to throw the ball away, but instead he took sacks as he rolled out. But you did see the mobility there, and you saw where it was that there were opportunities for him to be able to extend some plays. And maybe he was forced into doing that a little bit more often than he wanted to or forced to do it earlier than necessary because of the sort of makeshift offensive line that was there. So, I mean, there's a whole combination of things that you can say, okay, individually, we can take sort of these little nuggets when it comes to Ian Book. But can you make a full evaluation of him here? No, not necessarily. And I don't think that the New Orleans Saints will either. I just hope that he left this game with some confidence intact because it's tough. It has to be tough to go into a game play your first ever NFL start, get sacked eight times, throw a pick six, throw another interception late when you're just trying to make something happen at that point. And, you know, it, it just was not one of the best things. I mean, the New Orleans Saints didn't convert a third down for the first time in Sean Payton's tenure as a head coach in New Orleans, over 12 on third down. Now they were one for two on fourth down, thanks to a, a QB sneak by Ian Book, who continued to fight later on in that game. But after a certain point, I mean, you just kind of have to wonder like, all right, can you keep your confidence intact? And and it, he he seems to have still have that intact. He you know did his presser after the game and talked about what he learned, and also was very honest about the pick six. Said he threw only one pick six in his entire career before this night, and that throwing a second one absolutely sucked. So it was great to see sort of that honesty come from him, but also you know him talk about the short memory that you have to have as a quarterback. Um, the other thing that I say you can maybe take away here as a positive for Ian Book, as opposed to the kind of negatives that I've been throwing out here. Uh, is that you also saw some nice throws when he was when he was protected and he just wasn't protected that often. But ultimately, there's no reason to take him to task over this loss. It was a rough game for the rookie. It was a rough game for the New Orleans Saints. And so really what our focus is right now is trying to contextualize both of these things, right? What Ian Book was up against, who certainly had the cards stacked against him from the very beginning, and what the New Orleans Saints were up against, who absolutely had the cards stacked up against them going up against the good Miami defense and going up against the good Miami Dolphins team as well. The big question is, can the New Orleans Saints learn a little bit from this in terms of how important it is to get Alvin Kamara in the mix? Because you didn't, I don't feel like you got Alvin Kamara in the mix a ton outside of just some basic, you know, inside runs. And every now and then you saw him get out into space, but it just feels like when you're watching a guy like Jalen Waddle get the ball six or seven different types of times, or that didn't make sense. Seven or six or seven different types of ways, you kind of wonder, okay, well, can you just do that with Alvin Kamara as well? So maybe that's the big takeaway for the offense here. But the the thing that I wanted to highlight here is the contextualization around Ian Book and why we really shouldn't be taking him to task at all over this loss. So let's talk a little bit about ending on a, a positive note. We always try to do that after a loss. And one of the big positives to come from this game, along with Marcus Davenport and Cam Jordan, are, is Pete Werner, who looks like he has a very, very bright future in New Orleans with the Saints. We'll talk about why as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints. New Orleans Saints likely to be favored in their Week 17 matchup against the Carolina Panthers, even after this Monday night loss to the Miami Dolphins. You want to keep an eye out for that line 
as some of these players start to come back off of the COVID reserve list and potentially even off of, uh, you know, off of injury reports and all of that, you're going to be able to keep up with that line, the over under, all the props, everything that you're interested in over at betonline.ag. Fastest and easiest way to place all of your bets and get in on the action. Don't want to bet on your favorite team? No problem. You can look across the rest of the NFL. You can get in on some end of year awards. Soon there'll be some player props about who ends up where. Very curious to see what the Russell Wilson props will look like later on. We'll see what those look like when they get up there. But a ton in the NFL, ton in the NBA, UFC, MMA, and they even have your favorite Vegas casino games as well. If you're a blackjack fan, stuff like that. So you can check all of that out over at betonline.ag. You can use their new uh, fully redesigned website, their live betting module, which is really fun to participate in during games. Lots of cool stuff. And if it's your first time heading over to the website and signing up, make sure you use the promo code locked on L O C K E D O N. So you can get that 50% welcome bonus. Once again, that's a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code locked on over at bet online where the game starts. Let's get it, Houdat Nation, wrapping up today's episode on a positive note, talking a little bit about Pete Werner, the linebacker who played a very, very good game up against Miami and might have shown us all that he does indeed have the bright future that many of us expected in New Orleans. Now, remember, the Saints were without Demario Davis, without Quan Alexander. I'm sure you don't need that reminder, but just a reminder for you. Uh, and so Pete Werner was sort of thrust into the position of Demario Davis playing the mic and also being the guy with the green dot on his helmet. And so what that means is effectively he's the one calling the shots. Consider him the quarterback of the defense. He has the communication device that's connected to the sideline in his helmet. He's the one receiving the calls from the sideline and disseminating the information to his defense. So that's what Pete Werner, the rookie out of Ohio State, was doing in this game. And I got to be honest. I think he did a pretty good job. I mean, the guy led the team with 10 tackles. He called the shots all night. He had two hurries that he added to the list. He was targeted four times in the passing game, allowed only two catches for 15 yards. And then he surrendered only a 59.4 passer rating when he was targeted. And not only that, this guy was all over the defense, played on the defensive line nine snaps, in the box 51 snaps, in the slot three times, and at corner twice. So they literally ended up putting him in man-to-man situations zone situations that put him all over the field. Those man-to-man situations, very likely what brought him out into the slot and what brought him out out wide playing at corner, but he never seemed to be out of position. Yes, he did have one penalty, but whatever, but he never seemed to be out of position. He never seemed to be confused. He never seemed to be lost and neither did the defense. Honestly, I can think of one situation in which Paulson Adebo ran over to the opposite side of the field to get caught up on a bunch formation. It was on the Jalen Waddle touchdown on the, um, on the, what do you call it, a shovel pass and everything. So I, I could think of maybe that as being the one time that I really saw a little bit of confusion for the Saints defense. But outside of that, there wasn't any confusion coming from a rookie disseminating all of this information. And so he ended up grading out as the third highest defender for the New Orleans Saints, according to Pro Football Focus, had a great run defense grade as well. He was awesome as a run defender. Uh, and the Saints were awesome in run defense as well. Remember, this is a Miami Dolphins team that just a week ago actually found it's running game when uh, they got Duke Johnson involved and finally gave him the ball uh, in their game last week. But for the New Orleans Saints, I'm just grabbing the numbers here, their rushing yards that they limited uh, the Dolphins to were 86 yards, 86 rushing yards. Now, the Saints themselves only ran for uh, 83 yards, but that's a different story for a different time. Uh, but, you know, for a team that was in the lead, 
multiple scores for a, a majority of the game in Miami, uh, getting only 2.9 yards per carry on 30 carries is pretty good defense by the New Orleans Saints. So just something to add there um, in terms of what Pete Werner led this defense with. And, and some of it was by example. Some of it was by disseminating information. I think you look for both of those things. That's certainly what you see in Demario Davis. I'm not trying to say that Pete Werner is as good as Demario Davis or anything like that. But all that I'm saying is that whatever they're doing with Pete Werner, Demario Davis's mentorship, their, you know, Michael Hodges' work over on the sideline as the uh, linebackers coach. You look, of course, at Dennis Allen, who's been a big part of uh, his growth as well, and who mentioned they mentioned it in the broadcast actually on ESPN that they're that the Saints have an expectation for Pete Werner and have kind of been preparing him for this. Didn't think he was going to be in this situation this quickly or this season, but. That's what ended up happening. And so, you know, you, you should feel pretty good about Pete Werner. So, you know, you, you expect to get DeMario Davis back next week, Quan Alexander back next week, all of that. But when you look ahead and you project into the future, it's kind of a scary thought getting a look at the New Orleans Saints defense without DeMario Davis. But if Pete Werner ends up playing like this throughout his career and gets better and better every year, I think you have a lot of reason to be excited about Pete Werner's future in New Orleans because it does seem to be very bright. Now we have a lot of other individual performances to talk about. Marcus Davenport was on fire yet again. Cam Jordan had another great game. He's now at a 101 and a half sacks in his career, adding another sack last night against uh, Miami. So we'll continue to highlight a little bit of some of those individual performances and standout performances in this game tomorrow as we get into our film watch Wednesday. And we'll also dump in some analytics there since we got backed up with the Monday game. But don't forget, we're going to be you know, turning our heads pretty quickly here to focus on the Carolina Panthers crossover Thursday on Thursday and then building the game plan on Friday as the Saints look to bounce back from this loss. But the big thing here, AFC opponent, AFC loss, the Saints are still very much alive and there's not any real need to put too much doom and gloom stock into uh, this game, particularly for individual players and performances like Ian Book. But there are some things that you can get excited about over on the defensive side. So I'll highlight some of those individual performances for you tomorrow as we break down the film and break down the analytics. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, make sure you go and check out Locked On Bets, your boy Q, a handicapping expert, Lee Sterling, getting you taken care of and helping you win some money after the holiday season. So go and check them out. Once again, that's Locked On Bets. And for everything around the New Orleans Saints that you need in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Raw Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.